0: This podcast is brought to you by EnergyX. Are you tired of paying huge rates to the big cloud providers? Are you worried about being booted off a cloud platform if your company doesn't meet their ever-shifting standards? Ready to step up your data security and disaster recovery game? Well, ladies and gentlemen, your new cloud is ready. Introducing xCloud, the scalable, resilient computing cloud that is also actually affordable. It's high-performance compute for half the cost. HPC for HTC. XCloud from Red Team is opening a beta program for new cloud computing customers and that means you, my friend. This cloud is powered by the XMDC Immersion Cooled Modular Data Center from EnergyX. I've seen this data center in operation and it is a total game changer. So if you want more information about the beta launch, go to the URL in the description. Type in promo code beta, B-E-T-A, for 50% off of your first instance. And so the URL is going to be digitalwallcutters.com forward slash
1: energy This is the oil and gas
2: startups podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders,
1: investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland.
0: What is up, wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil and Gas Starters Podcast. I've got Jay and I've got Gord. Jay's in from Austin. Gord's in from Alberta. What's going on, guys? Doing good, man. Doing good. I don't even know what today is. is today, Wednesday? I think it's today. Yeah. Happy, happy Wednesday. All the days just kind of blend together these days. So high level overview. Um, jay if you want to go ahead and start uh what is it you do and then how you guys got plugged in with gordon if you want to kind of overlook what you guys do and then this kind of collaborative effort that
1: you guys have before so sh controls i'm the president of sh controls i'm the s in sh j staying and we're a distributor manufacturer for valves process analyzers instrumentation optimization and automation solutions all specific to valves well no just across the industry okay. so we supply process analyzers that do your Dimethyl frog frog and peanut butter background for a chemical plant, and then in midstream I can set you up with a valve package for your 36 inch pipeline. In upstream I can give you an emergency shutdown well uh, valve solution that'll, you know, pop at 5,000 inch pounds of torque.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I traverse across all three segments on the common rails of optimization and automation. So Gord is on the upstream side with VSH focusing on optimization and automation. And the solution, at very high level, is a production optimization solution that will increase your production on your wellhead by 20% minimum. And so that had my optimization, automation, alarm bells ringing. So we've had a lot of conversations, a lot of videos, a lot of team calls, and looking at the data as well as this is something that needs to get wider exposure. And then Gord comes in as the inventor on the technical side and tells you exactly how. You achieve that 20 percent optimization increase and you know i'm not an upstream expert but i know that everybody in upstream wants to optimize production and make more money so here we are I, that's the name of the game yeah. so you're okay so if i heard you are you a manufacturer or distributor sometimes i'm both both okay. <laughs> but above all we're a sales organization and so we are representing and working with Gord and helping him get some traction down here in texas and in the united states so tell me a little bit more about
0: this, This um, I'm guessing it's a device of some it, sort. It's really a, yeah, a product for pumping yeah. oil wells okay. is what it is. yeah.
2: So we, we run hydraulics on a pumping oil well, running natural gas engine instead of electricity. And so we can gain the exact same production increase as you would with an electric driver with a pump off controller. So our system works on non-electrified
0: wells. So is it an entirely different kind of pump, or is this something you can add on regardless of the lift? Add on
2: regardless, yeah. We're just using the natural gas driver that's running these jacks right now, and we tie onto that with our hydraulics, but the pump jack stays the same. So what actually is it? It is a hydraulic-driven variable speed drive. Okay. So we hook a hydraulic pump to the natural gas engine, which then is tied to the pump jack with uh, a transmission, per se, a jack shaft. Okay. running belts still and so then we can speed up and slow that's
0: traditionally a small little electric that's motor. right that's so right you're taking a small little electric motor that's running the belts sure it's making that's the right whole thing go up and down yeah And you're replacing with a hydraulic version
2: right run by natural gas engine what it okay because where we're at there is no electricity that's the that's the beauty gotcha. of this. Yeah. gotcha yeah
0: but what you found was that it actually increased production
2: right yes so we've got the unit running and optimizing it with a pump-off controller as we all do. Mm -hmm. And now we've attached a casing gas compressor to it as well, running off of our hydraulics too. So now we're pulling that casing pressure down in the wellbore,
1: thus then allowing more inflow of oil, of fluid, and that's where we're gaining. Yeah, just by utilizing the... the And and it's really a fine-tuning solution, not a course driving the whole thing, but it's a fine-tuning solution where the You have the sensor on the rod string itself that's right that's feeding the pump off controller and that's sensing the the rod string pressure right correct and that's where the optimization piece comes in because it's a it's an advanced process control solution as well and so it's reading the signals it's getting through the pump off controller Mm -hmm. and the load sensor and it is optimizing operation by reading those signals and then Smoothing out the operation, so that's where the the production increase comes from. Speeding it up or slowing it down. So, is there
0: any actual just isolating, not looking at the fact that you're 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 pulling out um, uh, the gas, but looking at just the the hydraulic function over electric? Are there any benefits of using hydraulic outside of the fact that if there's no electricity? Yeah, that's right? the that's the main. Okay, that's the main. Benefit. But it pretty much yeah. operates exactly exact the same, same. But a yeah. lot of the benefits come from the the fact that you're pulling out the casing gas. Yes.
2: Right. Yes. Gotcha. yeah because there's a ton of wells out there that electricity is not available and it's just mm-hmm. not not feasible to run power that so you guys sort. mostly running out in alberta right now yeah alberta and i know there's a few running in uh dilly texas as well okay we got some there so yeah but yes
0: what are the over. what are the requirements to deploy something like this
2: well nothing really the only thing is the main benefit is if there is no power you can then set up your pumping unit exact same as you would with electricity and run your pump off controller and your casing, gas, compressor, everything. So it's all fully automated just like it would be on electric, but you don't need that. That's the, that's the great thing. Yeah. How much
0: gas you need to run it?
2: Very small, Okay. 20 ounces. Oh, okay. Like just enough to run the engine. So yeah. there
0: you're loading your electricity bill too, if you have an electricity if, bill. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: And today too, with the grid all over North America, you know, yeah. it's getting overloaded too, right? So. I think it's going to be, we're almost going back to this natural gas side of stuff to use that, utilize
1: that, and help our grid. <laughs> hey, do you think you could throw in a couple uh, mining rigs on there too? <laughs> Possibly. Could, yeah. So no, I'm guessing you guys, I, you
0: know, I see hydraulics in the name of Do you guys start off as just like a hydraulic shop and then somebody came to you with this issue? You guys created that and said, hey, let's make a product out of it. Well, yeah,
2: actually I have a, a partner, Everett Harstead, who's a farmer by trade okay. actually. And I approached him about a little different thing. I wanted to get a belt guard built actually for pumping wells, but we got onto hydraulics. So we made it run on hydraulics. And then I realized, well, geez, we've actually now made a variable speed drive system without electricity. So there was so much more implication to it. It started out not even close to that really, but then it's now it just evolved. So that's how mm. it come about. And I've been in the industry my whole life, 30 years oil and gas operating side of stuff, pumping. And so I could see that there is a need for this as there's, a, like I said, a ton of pumping oil wells out there that don't have electricity and could be optimized. And a lot of those wells are at the end of your, your gathering system where the pressure is highest. So you're holding back all that gas. Mm-hmm. So if you attach a compressor with it, plus the pump off controller, now you've just fully optimized your well.
0: So talk to me about some of the numbers that you guys are seeing in terms of
2: well, yeah, production. like Jay had said, we were doing a test pilot for uh, White Cab, mm-hmm. uh resources there in Alberta. And yeah, when we hooked up with the pump-off controller plus the casing gas compressor, our numbers did increase by 20% on both the oil and gas production. So they, they were encouraging for sure, yes. And I think most people in the industry already know about casing gas and pressure, and, and if you relieve that, how much more fluid you're going to produce, so that's the great thing about us too. We're not doing anything new; it's mm-hmm. just a different way to do it for all your wells, not just the specific ones on electricity.
0: Do you know much about the other methods of like relieving the casing gas? Other methods? Yeah.
2: Well, really, the only like with this, you you would pump it back into the pipeline so it stays contained in your sellable gas. Mm-hmm. Other ways is to vent it or flare it or burn yeah. it, right? That's the associated that's, gas.
1: Right. They call the Bach and the Christmas the birth cake birthday cake, right? Because all these flares you know, no takeaway capacity. Yeah. 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 So I just didn't know if there's any other devices that were out there that were yeah. utilizing yeah, the
0: gas not, in the same no.
2: way. There's a lot of different type of compressors that mm-hmm. all do the same thing, but it's yeah. either that compress it, get it in the pipe and keep moving it, or flare it, vent it.
1: But that's where the Bitcoin mining rig thing came from, right? You mm-hmm. have all this excess gas you can't use. That's so right. you might as well put a, a a natural gas engine out there and make electricity and then hook a mining rig to it
0: yep yep 100 percent.
1: it's just makes too much sense yeah so the, if there's any sort of like wasted
0: or stranded energy right. uh it makes too much sense it'll never work yeah yeah it's it's right there's so many there's so many emps that are that are doing it now whether they want to talk about it or not um what also applies to the renewable side too you've mm-hmm. got massive you know solar wind farms doesn't matter what it is uh, but transmission lines is what takes a long time to get built yeah right it could be a couple of years mm-hmm. you dump hundreds of millions of dollars into this farm and then what do you do That's you're great. just stuck kind of holding the
1: bag until you get transmission lines out there well you can right. monetize that with bitcoin mining yeah i drove right through the scene of fallout for new vegas mm. last week when i was driving up 15 past prim you know those giant solar things where the mirror's all reflecting sunlight into that you know ball in the central then it heats up steam or molten salt or something Really? But how do you get the power out? Whatever crazy awesome solution you have for generating electricity, now how do you transmit it you know, from the site to where the people that need it are? Yeah. no, 100%.
0: Um, so you guys are working together, and so is it, is it mainly just to be bringing this to kind of a wider market here right. in the States on the upstream mm-hmm. side? That's right. right
1: because right. Yeah. if you think about how many people this could help, how much time do you have in the day to go out and reach the people, talk to them about it? And what we really want to do is catch somebody's attention with this podcast, bring it to the w- wider market, and then someone say, hey, I could really use one of those, and then let's set up a demo. Let's get one of these systems out there, put it on your, your pump jack, and then you know, see what kind of numbers it's getting, see what the ROI is, and go from there. I and mean, if it's something that is really going to affect your operations and make your operations better, then it's probably something you want to know about. And this is one of the best ways in you know, 2023 to get that word out to as many people as possible so that's yeah. really the goal and Great. and you know for digital wildcatters having you know people like Gord show up and put new solutions on the market yeah. you know it's a win-win for everybody involved yeah
2: absolutely. and being with jay yeah that's what we needed as as vsh we're not salesmen or marketers but these guys that's their world so yeah mm-hmm. it's a good fit for sure
0: i love it i think it's it's sometimes it's the it's the the most Simple things, right? That people can't just tend to it. overlook. Yeah. It's right. like, oh, this is interesting. I see I see a lot of crazy stuff. Sometimes you have people come in and it's it's crazy over the top stuff. And you're like, oh, I would have never thought of that, but it's mm-hmm. brilliant. Other times it's like everybody was talking about the same problem, just nobody ever like solved it. Right. You know, and it's things that are just like right under your mm-hmm. right under your nose. But that you can build that's just like the best businesses. Yeah. yeah.
2: And in today's world, what I see in the industry, most producers go to a pump off controller immediately to try and optimize their well. Which they're leaving out, you know, a ton of their producing wells because there is no power. And that's the only way right now to to run a pump off controller and get that efficiency. Save you all your downtime and everything on your rod string and all that. What a controller does. Well now with this, with our system, you can now do your whole fleet of wells, not just specific ones. So yeah, it opens
1: up a whole nother world. Taking existing components off the shelf, putting them together in new and better and more exciting ways. Nothing that he's doing is unknown to anybody in the industry, but it's that right combination of all the different components to the system. And then in the future, what are the, what is some of the data you can get out of the system? You're optimizing your data. I'm sure somebody in the production world will want to see information coming in from this solution. And then they will be able to do, you know, like level one, two, three, predictive, whatever, with more information coming in. And then they'd be able to, see some pattern that we aren't seeing even with the vsh rig because we're not at a high enough level so just giving people more opportunities to see patterns and exploit them or you know take advantage of them is something to me is exciting because what can you do with data the oil and gas industry is big data we're the biggest how much data does oil and gas generate every second every day too much too much and what do you what do you do with it you have all this usually nothing there's a gold mine flowing by you and you have no way of really harnessing the power of Um, that information and then leveraging it to make better decisions and you know all that all that stuff that you hear about all the time
0: are there any challenges associated with uh the hydraulics nothing really really out of the ordinary maintenance perspective no everything's pretty
2: basic that way the only thing i would say is you'd want to have to uh Really engineer our cooling side of stuff down here in Texas, right? Compared to the Canadian side of stuff there, what's more, the cold, and we gotta mm-hmm. monitor is that. It just, does it so, just
0: overheat, or does the fluid get too hot? Yeah, it,
2: it would get too hot. Yeah, you have to use a, a high-grade hydraulic oil and
1: yeah. just know your know your parameters, know where you're setting it's your machine. Something on the reliability that I've really picked up from talking to Gord is if you're looking at the coarse versus the fine tuning. If you use the hydraulics for the coarse tuning, then you know you're working the hydraulic system pretty hard and and it can you know, have failures that way but if you're doing it with the fine tuning you're not brute forcing the whole operation with its hydraulic setup you're fine tuning the operation of the rig and the rod string so releasing the relieving some of the pressure the tension of the rod string increasing the lifespan of that but also the hydraulic system as a whole works for longer before it needs service because it's not it's not shouldering the whole load it's just the fine tuning to get that last you know, 10, 20% of, uh, optimization out of the system. Yeah. We had all sorts of issues with our little
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> electric motors on our wells back in the right. day, always, there was always wiring issues. Yeah. I
1: mean, there's yeah. I think an important point to bring up is that you're not buying a replacement for the whole pump jack yeah. motor. You're buying a fine tuning equipment that optimizes, right? And I think that's the key word is optimization. Yeah. Our wells that we had were actually my prime candidates for one,
0: you know, especially being a stripper wall operation, you want to lower, your your highest LOE is, for one, it's water. Two, it's going to be electricity, right? So lowering that. We had all these issues with the electric motors all the time, right? And then we had a little bit of gas that could have powered it that we yeah. weren't doing anything with. Yeah. So just waste gas. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a sure. big market. Yeah. There's a, there's a huge potential for it. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I don't think every well needs it, obviously, but every producer has at least a few wells where this will work. So I'm I'm assuming you guys just sell these things outright, right? Yeah. Yeah. We do a rental too, if that's what you're into or whatever, you know, yeah, we're flexible that way, but yes, that's our goal. And another thing too good with it is it gives you telemetry too. So the guys wherever in your office tower can see what the well's doing too. You don't always have to go right to site
1: or rely on your guys in the field, right? You can see it wherever. Off your phone so, Some of that commercial flexibility is where SH Control steps into as well. If you want to rent them, then we can, you know, keep ten or twenty of them, you know, in our yard, locally sourced, so you can deploy it as needed. And then we can go into a a lease situation or a you know, hardware equipment lease, whatever you want to call it. So we can have that flexibility as well for people who you know don't want to spend the capex and it's better to fit in the opex budget. Then we can keep the equipment locally, and then we can you know, get it out on site, install it, support it, you know, commission all that stuff. So just right. mm-hmm. another layer of flexibility to meet people's needs Because not everybody is, you know, one of the five big boys. Right. Yeah. So that opens the door for smaller companies to be able to take advantage of the technology as well.
2: And starting out too, I've seen where a lot of companies will lease up front, you know, to get a feel for it and see it and understand it and then purchase it out right from there too. So
0: it gives them a starting point for sure. What are your kind of like immediate goals, kind of working together? I mean, obviously, get into as many right. many customers. As and possible the first right. one is
1: just get the first couple of let's say early adopters, yeah, and get some runtime inside the organization. Uh, get you know the engineers and and everybody who needs to know see the informa- see the equipment work. Uh, get them exposure to it so they can see. So it's not just us saying it, right? So they can come back and say, "Yeah, that's for real." It is we we had twenty percent or more increase in production using this solution because you know i can say i can talk all day long i do that for a living but the customers and the end users really need to come back and say yeah this is legit we put it in there it worked and we love it so that's what we're really after is looking for that first one or two early adopters to listen to the podcast and say how do i get in touch with sh controls and then let's go from there and then we can Get VSH involved, get a system on site, you know, wherever you think is the best location, you know, as your well, put it on site and, and go from there. Yeah, work together with the producer and yeah, pick a good
0: candidate and mm-hmm. yeah, show what it can do. Do you think that this is a start of like, you know, you guys possibly creating... I'm assuming you guys do. You do other things outside of this with with the hydraulic company, right? What, what other stuff do you guys do? And then I'll go back to my question. Well, yeah,
2: for VSH, it's only this. That's all we okay. do. Yeah. Okay. Like I have my full time job as well on the side as a pumper operator. Okay. Guy. But yeah, for VSH, this is our okay. job. We've yeah designed it, got a patent both in Canada and here in the U.S. And this is what we.
0: How do. long did that process take? I'm kind of curious. Just from well, my it's been, idea to yeah, since 2013, first
2: one works. I guess 20. 2012, yeah, we started. So,
0: oh guess guess it's been a while to get it. like yeah, yeah. my it's entire been old a career to get this decade. Patent, yeah, so. <laughs> that's right. It takes time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes time. What was the biggest? Like, what was the biggest challenge? Was it was it getting patented or was it just refining the design time and time again? Yeah, both. I would say really, the patent does take a long time because it, it you have
2: to come up against different a lot of different things. But yeah, I would say it's both refining it now is where mm-hmm. we're at, and we've we're doing that and every year it gets a little better a little better right with stuff so but yeah the patent takes time too <laughs> we got our US one first and then started working on the Canadian one second so yeah but it takes time
1: customer and, feedback would also be really yeah a big player there because someone's going to see something that, that we don't see right some feedback from an end user and say hey what about this and Hey, that's a great idea. Let's implement it. Yeah, that's Make what I was going to ask.
0: Like if, you, if you've if you already ha- kind of have in mind either like a next version or like other products that you've kind of gotten feedback on so far.
2: To go to broaden?
0: Yeah, horizon, just like do mean, open it up to like a suite open. of products or if yeah. you guys stay laser focused on the one for now.
2: Yeah, I think the one for now, I mean, we've we've talked about and looked at doing uh, multiple welds on, on a pad drill type mm-hmm. thing because that's a big thing now. So we are looking at that. If that's something... Customer producer would want. I know some guys get a little leery of one driver powering three or four jacks at the same time. Because if you lose that one driver, then you're kind of buggered with all of them. But but I know some guys like that too. So we're looking at that. Doing one driver supplying three or four jacks.
0: How would that how would that work in terms of like how it's actually
2: Yeah, just bigger engine more horsepower obviously and then just big hydraulic pump with controls going to each jack independently
0: so you have one gigantic hydraulic pump and then you're just running long um, yeah like a manifold right yeah Yeah. like a manifold that's right up to each jack do you have to run the actual why is the word escaping me do you run the belts belts yeah individual belts off the one into the
2: right each each unit will have its own motor hydraulic motor okay yes and then the oil flow from the
1: hydraulics will be regulated independently gotcha then Just there's a pump so off controller and a load sensor on each rod string as well that's right gotcha, gotcha. so they'll be working independently yes awesome yeah. guys yeah i think one thing that that i would want to see is jumping into offshore you know once we get the onshore land version squared away and in wide usage then there's a whole nother world called the Offshore and Offshore Technology Conference and all the different shows that are dedicated to all the offshore technologies. So there yeah. are a lot of, cap- lot of opportunity there as well. And PCP pumps too, yeah. aggressive cavity, right? Those mm-hmm.
2: looking at some of that stuff too, starting to get into that a bit. So, cause one great thing with the hydraulics, either if it's a conventional jack or whatever. You know, if the rods hang up or something there's nothing really there to stop it it'll just keep going and burn the belts off or destroy some equipment where with the hydraulics you have a set point there where if it goes over normal operating pressure it just sits there and bypasses so nothing is destroyed so it's another great feature <laughs> of it too so yeah there's
1: always lots of different little things <laughs> for sure i get got a lot of opportunities from people just asking me can you do this? Is there someone that does this? Can you find a solution? So the more customers we talk to, the more questions we'll get. Can you do this? Can you do that? This is a great solution here, but I have a need for something else over here. And, you know, I'm personally building our upstream portfolio of products, uh, working with Gord. So for this production optimization, but then emergency shutdown valve solutions, that's the second product. And then some instrumentation, of course, goes in upstream, but looking where we can add value to upstream by bringing you know, more new products that we either bump into randomly or people ask me to go find. Yeah. So it, it just goes both ways. Yeah, it's one of the things we've talked about it repeatedly over the last five years on the show, but just the
0: the number one thing I think in, in order to be successful is to get the feedback from the customers mm-hmm. and to listen and listen to twice as much as you, right. you talk, right? And so to put it in their hands and, What do you like? What do you not like? How can this Mm -hmm. be better? Whereas the inverse of that is you have so many people who fall in love with a tech or a widget or software (laughs) or whatever, and they don't listen. And they're just like, look at my baby. My baby's pretty. Check out my baby. It's Mm -hmm. awesome. And it's like, well, no one's ever going to buy your baby or subscribe to your baby if uh, it's not actually solving any sort of like problem problem. for them. And that's Mm -hmm. such a fundamental. The value proposition. Yeah. Like basic thing, but I've seen it. Repeatedly with entrepreneurs, not just in this space, but just universally, where they seem to miss that concept.
1: That's why you have the 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 classic entrepreneurial team, right? You have to keep, you have to have the technical and the business sides to balance each other out, keep the the ship moving in the right direction. Yep. And you can make a list of companies that have failed because they were missing either one or the other of the equation. Right. I'm, you know, I don't have a college degree or anything. I'm not a chemical engineer, a petroleum engineer. I, you know, people ask me, what kind of engineer are you? Like, I'm not, you know, not any. I was a microwave radio technician in the Marines. And then 2005, I got out. What was your MOS? 2831. And then before that, I was in 1141. I was a 2841. <laughs> 2846, then 41. All right. I got converted to a 41. Yeah. So, yeah, I fixed the... Uh, all the radios? Yeah, I was an SHF guy, you know, with the yep. bat signal yep. and all yep. that, and all the dirty pranks in the shop. What well, you were know you with. I was with Comm Squadron 38 in Miramar. Okay. And then I was in... Uh, seventh crime. Yeah. In Okinawa. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was my second tour, uh, when I picked up sergeant. And then my first tour when I was a boot, I was a basic electrician. So then I was in first line yeah. armor reconnaissance, second combat engineer battalion. Okay. So you went through there, but that's where that's why I got into oil and gas because of the electrical and troubleshooting background. Yeah. And I knew just enough chemistry to slide through <laughs> and do my first job as an analyzer tech in two thousand five. And then from there, once I started you know looking around and seeing what oil and gas I had to offer then i said like, oh man the world is my oyster yeah so then here 18 years later and, and all that good stuff here i am but uh, the 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 vista the the perspective i mean it just gets blown open once you get in an industry like oil and gas you see you know, this, it's a whole world you spend your whole life running around it. in and never even see the edges of it. I know. I, I mean, I
0: grew up in College Station, never had any exposure to it whatsoever, despite being surrounded by it wells, mm-hmm. being surrounded by the university and the sure. petroleum engineering department. But yeah, literally I had no exposure. And then when I got out of the Marine Corps, it was... Um, I knew I liked you, Jake. Yeah, there was a knew there was something there. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I got out, it was, yeah, it wasn't... I, th- I thought about using this, mm-hmm. this half-ass electrical engineering experience um, that I had. Um, what rank were you? I got it as corporal. Okay. Yeah, um, I had a staff NCO job for the last two years that I was in, um, but everybody deployed. And so right. they needed one person to run. I ran uh, uh, shipping and receiving mm-hmm. for all the parts and stuff that we did. Yep. And so it was skate. I didn't have to Logistics, right? Just, <laughs> yeah, Supply. And CLR 17. So <laughs> I was in, uh, I was at Pendleton, got mm-hmm. a nice cush little desk. Right. It was, um, yeah, it was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'd went to a job fair and Oceaneering was there and yeah. they had, they needed a communications tech to run, I'm guessing radio. I don't know if they still do this, right? Or not, but maybe it's all satellite or Starlink these days, but uh, <laughs> run radio from land to, to the rigs. right? And they were like, yeah, starting so pays like $80,000. And I was like, $8,000, are you kidding me? I was like, I was like, you realize I make like no money in the Marine Corps. i right. would be like negative money. When <laughs> I was a PFC at,
1: at Lejeune in MOS school in 1996, I thought, if I can just make $500 a paycheck, yeah. I will be set. <laughs> set yeah. for a while. But you're, as you grow older and more experienced, your horizons elevate. You get more exposure to what else yeah. and what is possible. But you think you go in as a kid and it's right. like, oh,
0: well, I've got my housing paid for, my food paid for, right. and this is all just like fun yeah. money, whatever. But yeah, it was. there's a reason I didn't re-enlist. Right. Well, this is, <laughs> you know, you
1: know, I, I got out after you know nine years because... I just saw that there was, you know, I was selected for staff sergeant out of below zone. So, okay, that's a brass ring, right? I could, yeah. you know, slide for the next 11 years, retire as a staff sergeant, whatever. But I just, something was telling me there was so much more out there, so much more that of the world than I'd already seen, which is like, you know, 13, 14 countries. Mm-hmm. So I I just need to go to something else. I don't know what, I didn't know what an analyzer was. I didn't know anything about oil and gas. I knew there was a a, a pump jack and an oil refinery, I guess, in a gas station. But that's all I knew, and then when I got my first job, I had no idea what a process analyzer was. Now I'm designing and, and building, you know, the the top level of it. So and that's what I see in these opportunities I get here to talk to people. I would never have any way of meeting or knowing or getting involved with on a technical or business side. I get to meet people like this, and then people say, "Hey, this would be a really good solution," and then I get to supply new solutions to the industry, mm-hmm. right? And you know, well, I don't know. what <laughs> There's probably more you can want in life, but I haven't found it yet. So it's the the never ending novelty and the what else is around the corner, the new whatever, where things just keep improving and, and coming up. And you know, oil and gas podcasts. Who would have thought that was a thing? You know, five six years ago, yeah, and, I surely didn't think it was a
0: thing. <laughs> we were like, no one's ever going to listen to this podcast. Until they did,
1: and then all of a sudden, everybody did. And then, yeah. you're like, what do we do? What do we do with, with this? this thing we built? And now yeah. everybody's beating our door down. Yeah, that's wild, dude. Yeah.
0: If two jarheads like us can make it, there's hope for anybody. <laughs> that's right. I tell you, that's
1: right. That's absolutely right. You no, know, only a, it was only a few years ago I actually stopped wearing my green Skivvy shirts. Yeah, and my wife begged me for years not to. Wear
0: them. I don't. I don't know any. But if our 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 shirts that we did for uh, Empower are that yeah. same. Yeah, it's on a printed on a green, but I'll tell you what, I'll
1: never give up is the green Hooter shorts, and I wear those around the house. My wife, like
0: (laughs) the silkies, yeah, put some clothes on. There was a guy I I I went to, uh, I went over to, to, I was in PA, I went to a guy's house, and a bunch of us were swimming, and and um, one of the guys there and had like recently got out and still yeah. had like his green green skibbush one she was like <laughs> swimming at him it was funny brought, brought me back oh, yeah, in the good time. old days of so like putting time. those on when it was like yeah. 20 degrees outside so if you think about ride. it yeah.
1: you know you and I have both known bullets and then barrels like my whole adult life has been bullets to barrels marine corps and then oil and gas which is a very traditional career path right yeah like if you look at if you go to Dow Chemical in Freeport, Texas I, it, it went over my head for years and all of a sudden hit me like a ton of bricks all the buildings there have numbers, not street addresses. So there's B-2020 and B-whatever, B-whatever. I'm like, building, duh, it's mm-hmm. just like a military base because after World War II, all the vets got out, GI Bill, college, engineering.
0: Let's just make this to a framework and, where these and idiots understand. Right? Yeah, yeah, get it. <laughs> so yeah. they, they built all these plants just like they knew
1: from the military. <laughs> yeah. And same kind of a thing. So, no, it's, it's, just, it's just an awesome thing to be able to be involved in. Yeah. Whatever side of the industry you come in from, and we just get to do cool stuff all day long. Did you have MCCS when you were in the yes. community stuff? It was MWR. Okay. Because when I went to boot camp in '96, I went to boot camp just before the crucible started. So I was, in fact, the last platoon to go through the old style that you see in Full Metal Jacket. Right. Mm. So when I went to boot camp in '96, it was exactly like Full Metal Jacket, except they couldn't, you know, punch you in the throat for no reason. They, the <laughs> evolution was they had to have a reason first to punch in the throat. Mm. So that was the only change. If you watch Full Metal Jacket, mm-hmm. it's, you know, nine years later, exactly the same experience I had from yeah. when the movie was made. So they had MDBR, things have changed, but you, know, you get out and then you, yeah. the differences aren't that
0: great. Yeah. So uh, the only reason i was saying it was because our new uh, customer success, uh, girl Crystal worked for MCCS because her husband's mm-hmm. uh, still in the Marines. He's in recruiting. That's why they came to, to oh. Houston. In the first place. So that is outstanding.
1: You can't hardly hear him. <laughs> I actually knew the guy. Really? Yeah, that's his uh, old address and phone number He passed away. And he, uh, he yeah. came and spoke at one of our balls that That's one awesome. time. So I got to meet him very briefly. You know, the biggest thing was that surprised me is in 2003, I was in Iraq in a fob and five Humvees just start tearing out of nowhere, hardbacks. And all of a sudden, boom! Gunny Hartman pops out. I'm like, I thought he was short. In the middle of Iraq. <laughs> yeah, and nowhere he's like in wearing digital fatigues in a flak jacket, like double dog. I'm like, what? It's just the weirdest thing, like that happens in war. You're sitting there, nothing happens, and all of a sudden, boom! Arlie Ermey is standing in front of you. You know,
0: <laughs> that's wild. The
1: most random thing, and he's like, he's like six two, six three. Yeah, he's a tall guy. In the movie, though, he looked. They, I don't know. I just came away with the perception that he was short, but he's actually pretty tall. Yeah. So all of a sudden, there he is out of nowhere.
0: Man, we can swap war stories <laughs> out, yeah, <okay>? that's <laughs> that's right. a- I just got the same. We're getting off topic. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> well, if anybody is
0: interested, they want to pile with you guys, they want to have mm-hmm. some conversations, where's the, where's the best place to send them? Business
1: card right there. Okay. Well, it's audio, so we got to... Okay. So the... Uh, SH uh, my- Controls. SH Controls. Email okay. address, uh, jstang at sh-controls.com. Okay. So j s-t-a-n-g like mustang cool yep easy enough the best way well, it works yeah. and then i'll also give my phone number out throw it out there i'm like that you're gonna my have twenty thousand people are gonna hear it so. i get i get phone calls <laughs> all day long anyway 832-260-2211 that's the best way to get a hold of me uh, either by phone or by email and get in touch with me and we'll you know see what the best solution looks like and get gordon and his guys involved and get one of these babies on your pump jack
0: let make yeah. some things happen make it sure. work sweet guys I appreciate alls time appreciate all you coming in here. yeah same here thank you Yeah, appreciate it's the good. opportunity absolutely sure. guys if you like the episode take two seconds uh, send this to all your colleagues send it to your mom send it to your brothers your sisters hope you liked it we'll catch you guys in the next episode